I'm Jill Griffin, and this is the Career Refresh Podcast. I'm a former media and marketing executive turned career strategist and strengths coach. I spent my career working my way up and through the ranks of global organizations and startups. And today, I show others how to do the same. Join me each week as we discuss the strategies to leverage your strengths, increase your confidence and visibility, and reset your career with actionable steps towards a finer future. Ready? Let's do it. Hey folks, this is Jill Griffin and welcome back to this week's podcast. I am going to be talking about how you can effectively respond to questions that you don't want to answer. And it happens to all of us at one point. So recently this topic came up. Um, I was talking to many of my clients about it. And then I recently found myself at an industry event in which a woman that I met moments before saddled on up to me and began like pelting me and what my experience was with these rapid fire questions about both my business and then started asking about my husband and my marriage. I literally met her like moments ago. I couldn't even answer the first question before then she would set into the next question. And then she started making assumptions and then followed up with sort of like a veiled insult towards my husband without even like knowing him. He wasn't there. They never met. And I was like, whoa, what is going on? I mean, this woman had a lot of judgment issues and I think she was pretty overserved. So we're going to give her a grace in that. Just so you know, if you'd like to get to know Warrior Jill, then you should go after someone I love or care about because I was like, what is happening? But because it was a professional environment, what I was noticing is that her line of questioning all started with questions like, why did you do this? Or how come you do this? Which leaves the recipient of those questions very little room to actually have a dialogue. It's Sometimes it's called precision questioning and it can be useful in certain parts of business if you're trying to drill down to a question. But this was a networking event where you were like building relationships. And all the questions that she was asking were set up in a way that required a yes, no answer, but they weren't yes, no answers in my opinions. And we didn't know each other. We didn't have a rapport. And listen, this whole exchange was probably less than five minutes, but I was watching myself get so triggered by her and her line of questioning and her behavior. And, you know, I've been a trained coach at this point for over 13 years. And when I find myself get triggered like that, I find that it's so juicy. So I was noticing the sensation in my body and what started to feel like a panic or a rage start to build up in my chest. And I have, again, enough training over the years that I was just staring at her and I I stopped answering her questions and I was just smiling. And I was allowing my body to process the emotion. And what I realized is that I was in the freeze response. So there's fight, which is exactly that, right? If you think about animals, right? Animals being in a fight. There's flight, which is the zebra running away from the lion and, you know, trying not to get eaten. There's freeze, which often happens, um, as you know, the expression deer in headlights, where very often we don't know whether it's better to stay exactly where we are or move away, but there's that moment where we freeze. And then there's fawn, which is um, sort of assuaging your predator um, in that case, right? So 
While survival strategies like fight and flight are well known, the freeze response is this idea where the person feels like they can't flee or they don't know what to do. And then they get caught in this state of frozenness, which may only be seconds. But this is what I realized what I was experiencing. And my training has taught me that when the freeze sets in, the first thing I need to do is take a really big, deep breath and focus on the sensation of either my lungs filling up with air, or maybe I could feel the trickle of breath pass through my nostrils, but breathe. And then what I did is I glanced around the room and looked for my predetermined color. And I'm going to explain what that is. It doesn't matter the color, but blue is very calming for me. So when I find myself getting triggered or feeling the sensation of panic, or in this case of freeze, looking around the room and finding the blue in the room. Look, pick a color that is soothing to you, but pick a color that's common because, you know, why like chartreuse might be a great color. I don't know that I'm going to find that at an average restaurant if it's not like New York City Fashion Week, right? So the point here is that we're giving our bodies and minds a beat to process what it is that we're experiencing. And we want to allow the sensation to dissipate. And that usually takes about 90 seconds. And then our thinking, our prefrontal cortex, right? The decision-making part of our brain, the strategy part of our brain, which is located in the forehead region, is going to come back online, kind of, so to speak, right? Because it had a moment to process and decide what to do next. So after reviewing this experience and realizing that it was the freeze response and then reflecting, you know what, this is something that, you know, I and I know others have experienced at times in our workplace or, you know, in our work day, it could be a passing comment from a colleague, a stressed out client who's directing their anger at either myself or my team. It could be a tough question on a job interview. And over the years, I learned how to successfully process this and be able to answer questions that I don't want to answer and how to do it effectively, successfully, and to get to the other side. So we just talked about processing the emotion again. You're going to drop into your body. You're going to feel your breath, and then you're going to anchor on something. I find anchoring on a color in the room is easy, but again, stick to like basic colors because you want to be able to find them. But then there are also tactics that you can use, and I want to go deeper on those now. So maybe not all of these, but finding one or more of them and, and sort of practicing them and being familiar with them is definitely helpful for you to be able to answer the question effectively that you don't really want to answer <laughs> and how to get through it. So one, get clear on the question, clarify and ask them to repeat the question. That gives you again, a beat to pause. If the question is phrased to you in a negative way, don't repeat the negative tone or the negative sentence in your answer. What I mean is if you're on an interview or in a conversation and someone asks like, why weren't you working during these gaps in your resume? Don't answer the question. And this is, what, this is what will happen if you're in freeze or if you're sort of feeling panicky. You might say like, oh, well, the reason why I wasn't working, right? You don't want to say it that way. You want to find that pause and say, oh, I'm glad you asked. During that time, I had a desire to learn more about strategic investing. So I took a lot of courses during that time, you know, fill it, fill it in with something that's going to align to roles and responsibilities of the job that you're thinking. Or you could say something like, 
oh, you know, I'm glad you asked. It was such a gift for me and my family that I was able to stay home with my children full time, which is something I've always wanted to do. And now that they're older, I'm excited for what's next, right? So in both those answers, I didn't repeat why weren't you working, right? Which is again, a very attacking question, but I hear, um, I hear people and clients telling me that they're getting that question sometimes. And I just think that for an interviewer to explore why you have a gap in your resume through the lens of negativity is also telling you who that person is and maybe a little bit about the culture. So you might want to dig in there because for me, if someone came to me and had a gap in their resume, I would be like, cool, what did you do during that time? Tell me everything, right? I would look upon it as a growth period versus a negative period. So again, it might tell you a little bit about the culture of the company. The next thing you can do is sort of as a continuation is to prepare a response, right? I'm so glad you asked that and practice the response with the appropriate tone, body language, and the energy you want to convey, right? So just being clear and if someone asked you a question that, you know, if it's about your gap in your resume or something else, it's really thinking about the prepared response so that you're not caught off guard. Next, find the strategic pause. If the question triggers you and you need time to think, find that pause. You can check out videos of Steve Jobs and Elon Musk, who are both masters of this. There are plenty of press interviews, which they have been asked questions that are kind of through that negative tone and you watch them pause and the pause can be up to 10 seconds. And while you hear this, it might make you cringy and you may feel uncomfortable, like understand that they are managing their minds and their emotions. They are processing that emotion so that when they speak, they're not coming from that sort of anxiety or stressed or raise rage. They're, um, they're stopping before taking action and they don't want to say something or with a tone that they may regret saying or fumble through, right? That pause gives you time to think and come back with their response. Next, you may want to answer the question with a question. So when someone asks you a question that you're like, huh, you might say, tell me a little bit about your underlying concern behind that, that question so that I can provide you a response, right? So go deeper into what they're asking, which puts the onus back on them. And then you want to think about how to take the focus off of you and put it on them. So you could say something like, hmm, it's interesting that you think that. Or, wow, why is this question interesting to you, right? So you're taking the question and you're putting it back on them and putting the focus on them. Again, gives you a pause and also has them answering deeper, which will give you time to think and perform um, and structure a strategic response. You may want to answer part of the question. Right? So you may not agree with everything that they're saying, or it may be sort of a compound question where you're like, well, that's not really true. So you answer part of the question where you could say something like, you know what? I appreciate your feedback. Let's focus on the first half of the question and then answer that. And that may be enough to assuage them. Another thing, again, is delay that response is... Um, and I don't mean necessarily the strategic delay in this case, I'm saying more of like, you know what, that's a really important question. And I want to make sure that I give you a complete and thorough response. So let me check. And I'm going to get back to you on Friday, right? So you're giving them um, a response that tells them that you are on it and you that you're following up and you're giving them a date and a time, potentially a time too. The next is pivot the question. So if the question is something starts out with like a, how come, or why did you? 
you could say, what I really think you're getting at is why do we approach the work this way? Or I understand your frustration, but let me provide some additional information for you, right? So that again, you're not repeating their negativity, but you're flipping and pivoting the question. Another way to answer effectively is to find alignment or agreement. So it may not be on the full question, but on a small area. And for years, psychologists and academics have argued that the best way to change a person's mind is not to attack their position, but rather find that common ground. So it's possible that after you take the pause, you might say, you know what, Greg, I agree with you on the first part of what you've said, and this project is behind schedule, but we're working on securing the resources, and I want to let you know there are a lot of hardworking people on the team, right? So that you're also complimenting your team, you're taking the power back, you're acknowledging that, yeah, we are behind schedule, but that doesn't mean that we're not working and we're working on the resources. So that's it, folks. Those are 10 suggestions to effectively respond to a question that you don't want to answer. So let me know, send me an email. I'll put my information in the show notes. I'd love to hear from you and know how you are getting through successfully answering questions that you don't really want to answer. Before I go, who is helping you build a successful career? Do you have a strategy? I would be honored to help you. Check out the details in the show notes for where you can schedule an appointment to see if either my private or my group coaching program is right for you. All right, my friends, I appreciate you so much. Thanks for joining me this week and I will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Career Refresh podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want more career and mindset tips, get on my email list by going to jillgriffincoaching.com. I'll also put that link in the show notes. But before you go, please rate and review this podcast as it helps me get the word out to people everywhere so they can also thrive in the workplace. I'll see you next time.